but it still doesn't explain what what's going on. We, my darling, are a group. We're a group. Yeah. Oh! Oh, 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 oh no! Oh, oh my God! Oh, 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 oh no! Oh, oh, oh my God! Oh my! Oh my! All over the music. Oh, get, oh, get his pants oh, off! Help oh, me get his oh, pants off! It's all right. Parquet floor. Okay. First of all, yeah. We need more guys. Why? Well, you see, my music needs a very big sound, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I got it. We'll put ads in Variety, Backstage and Billboard. We'll have auditions. Oh, but where? Now we can't do it here. Because we went so much noise the other night that two natives complained and I can't afford to rent a hall. Well, you can use my office. Your office a week from Friday? Yes, yeah, sure. Fantastic! Sam, you run up the ad. This is terrific. I gotta think. We got a group. Who the fuck it, right? Hey. Ugh. I'll think about that tomorrow. Ugh. <laughs> Do you wear a dicky? You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. <laughs> Have you ever been in a, in a Turkish prison? Joey, you like movies about gladiators. Fantastic yet again. Thank you for joining us. Uh, well, uh, as you know, Scott and I are doing solo episodes right now. We're basically going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and the reason we do that is, well, to be quite honest, he lives pretty fucking far away. So getting together is very difficult. So not to disappoint all of you out there, we've decided to go back and forth and do some solos. So we're doing uh, our movie challenges, which is one of our favorite things to do. And the point is to hurt each other. Uh, last week, I challenged Scott to Vampire Suck. And he didn't, he didn't take too lightly to it. He didn't think it was that bad of a movie. Now, I don't know what's wrong with Scott. I haven't seen him in a bit of a while. But how the fuck do you not think Vampire Suck is not that bad of a film? Yes, it's a parody movie. We get that, but that's a pretty fucking bad movie. Uh, I don't usually go too much on the IMDb, but a lot of times they're pretty pretty accurate. I know a lot of it is user-based reviews, and you know you click ten or you click one, and now your movie is uh, it's the rating system isn't perfect, but I think it got something around three point four, something in that range. So. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, he challenged me. He challenged me to. Well, you know what? First, let's get uh, let's get some plugs out of the way here. Uh, if you want to email us anything, you want to email us reviews. If you want to email us that you love us or you hate us, or what you want us to do differently on the show, or anything along those lines, uh, you can email us at themovieguys at moviesucktastic.com. I've just, this week alone, have added the site to many new places to listen. Uh, you can listen to us from the site. You can listen to us from iTunes, podfeed.net, Podcast Pup, Podcast Pickle, uh, all of these places. Plus, I'm going to add us to a few more as well. Uh, but anyway, now that that's out of the way, and I'll do that again at the end of the show, uh, I would like to talk about the challenges that Scott gave me now he rejected my challenge of vampire suck and that's okay i didn't think we could do that on the show i didn't think that was part of the rules i think we may have to actually go over those again but rejecting vampire suck it's not nice not nice at all uh but he he challenged me to the 1980 atrocity xanadu 
And for extra punishment, he also challenged me to the 1980 Can't Stop the Music, which is the Village People film with uh, Steve Gutenberg, of all people. Uh, and I actually have a little thing about Steve Gutenberg and Michael Beck, who is the lead actor in Xanadu. The, just to get that out of the way real quick, Steve Gutenberg, that was kind of his starting point. Okay, he had acted, he had done some things before, but not much, very, very little. Uh, at least I think so. I'm going off the top of my head here. Well, he started off with Can't Stop the Music, and he just went on to do bigger and better things. He had the whole Police Academy franchise, which even though that got redundant, it still made him a huge star. Whereas Michael Beck, he was in Xanadu, but he had done The Warriors first. Well, he actually has a, a quote that I read on IMDb that I thought was pretty funny. Where is it? It's, uh... Here it is. Okay. He basically says, The Warriors opened up many things to me, uh, many doors, opened up many doors for me uh, in the film world, and Xanadu closed all of them. <laughs> Poor bastard. Whereas Steve Gutenberg, on the other hand, he started off with Can't Stop the Music and then ended up, you know, having this, you know, huge career all the way into the 80s and then kind of disappeared in the 90s. But if you would ask me who you thought was uh, doing better, I would have to say Steve Gutenberg because he kind of still is acting these days. Well, anyway, uh, let's get started with Xanadu. Xanadu... As, as far as a, a, a movie goes, yeah, it's a bad film. And, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a worthy challenge to me. But it, it's, no, it's not the worst film I've ever seen. It, it's, and I know that's not what we're going for. We're, we're going to try and hurt each other. But it's not the worst, let's put it this way, it's not the worst 80s film I've ever seen. It's no different. It really is no different than any early 80s, late 70s type Saturday after school special type, you know, crap. It's got bad voiceovers because for some reason they just couldn't get that technology down. They couldn't get audio down for a long time. Uh whether it be the sound quality and the scene is bad and then they have to voice over it or they wanted to add in dialogue uh, and the voicing over that way. But uh, it had a lot of that. And a lot of films from that era have a lot of that. And even into the 90s, it's not until just recently where everything is kind of put through a fine, you know, you know a, a filter, so to say, a very fine grade filter where everything is and even bad films, are just taken apart as far as the sound and the, and the, and the CGI, which has gotten completely out of hand. Um, but, I mean, what could I say about Xanadu? Uh, it's, just, it's just a bad movie, but as far as a movie goes, not really that bad. I mean, it's bad, don't get me wrong, but not that bad. I didn't think, let's put it this way, I wanted to shove pencil uh, pencils, sharpened pencils into my eyeballs about 15-20 minutes into Vampire Suck. Whereas with Xanadu, I only wanted to do that when the musical numbers started happening. And which is quite often through the film, you're going to get a, a, a musical piece, ensemble, whatever you want to call it, uh, probably about every 15 minutes or so. And it's about a 95 minute movie. Um, and so as a film, I've seen worse. So, and the only reason why I'm even accepting both of these film challenges is mainly because I've never seen both of these films, shocking as it may be. Um, so, it's just one of those things where, what are you going to do? It's just not that great of a film. Uh, and, you know, they had uh, big musical acts such as ELO. Barry Devoren, The Tubes, uh, John Farrar, Cliff Richards, or Cliff Richard. Um, I don't know. It, it just, 
I watched it. It was bad. I was bored. And then I was kind of done with it. I, I would imagine that uh, you could have just challenged me to Can't Stop the Music, Scott. Yeah, you could have just challenged me to that. You didn't have to make me sit through both films. Although Xanadu isn't as bad as Can't Stop the Music. But uh, what you really just did was just wasted my Saturday. That's all you did. I just sat in front of the TV for three and a half hours because that goddamn Can't Stop the Music is two hours and I think four minutes. How the fuck do you put two hours and four minutes of village people in a movie? So, uh, but I, I don't know. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. As much as a failure as Xanadu the movie was, Xanadu at the Meadowlands that they're building, which is 1.3 billion over dollar, uh, which is 1.3 billion over budget, is much more, <laughs> much bigger failure. I know. It, one's a movie and one's a, a piece of shit. Uh, completely decked out uh, mall, so to say. But the color scheme that they picked for the one at the Meadowlands kind of matches Xanadu because it looks like it's from the late 70s and early 80s on purpose. So, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on, on Xanadu and can't stop the music. I just, I don't. Because I feel like I'm going to bore you talking about it. Um, I guess what I would like to do, now that I'm pretty much done with Xanadu, uh, well, I, am I done? I guess I'm done. I, I just, it's just so deflating talking about it. I mean, I'm just looking at my notes here, and it just, just to even read the notes, I mean, I'm falling asleep just thinking about even doing that to you guys. <sighs> Scott, why did you give me such... At least you could give me something funny. A at least it would be so bad that it's funny. And neither one, neither film is like that. <sighs> I mean, I grew up... I, I grew up with Olivia Newton-John. I had a huge crush on her. I had an absolutely huge crush on her. Um, it, it All the way going back to the original Grease. And it just... I don't know. I mean, what do I... Here, let me, let me look through my notes real quick. Maybe I can find something interesting to talk about because it just so far, I, I, I'm not even... I'm not even feeling it. Uh, Michael Beck looks like Sean Avery from the Rangers. I have that in my notes. He even sounds uh, a lot like him. It's kind of creepy, actually. If you're anyone's a hockey fan out there, uh, if you watch Michael Beck in Xanadu and then just watch any interview with Sean Avery it, it's kind of creepy actually Gene Kelly is in the film I have those in my notes I like Gene Kelly I always did I mean it's he did a dance number in Xanadu with Olivia Newton-John that was you could tell it was shot in an old style to accommodate Gene Kelly because that's his style of dancing the way the camera was moving in and out and side to side and the dance number not to sound gay uh, it, it was well done it wasn't bad I mean it's no Gene Kelly dancing with Tom and Jerry <laughs> but it wasn't bad uh, I mean then there's the whole scene scenes with Gene Kelly where they convince him to open up the club. He says he couldn't find a place for a couple of years. And it's like falling in love with a woman. You'll know when it happens kind of deal. Well, Olivia Newton-John's character actually turns out to be a muse. And she doesn't technically exist. So she's a muse for Gene Kelly's character and Michael Beck's character, which I believe is Michael Beck's character's name was Sonny Malone. Um, so, you know, they go through the whole... The process of buying the place, fixing it up, calling it Xanadu, hence the name of the film. Uh, and there's this whole scene where they're trying to get Gene Kelly an outfit to wear for opening night 
which he will then give Olivia Newton-John the first dance, or he requested it from her. It's just, even that scene isn't that bad, but it is a little comical with all these outfits. It's very, very cliche. It's been done a million times in a million different movies, almost frame for frame of how he tries on different costumes. He comes out, they say, nah, I don't like it. He comes out in another one, ah, that's all right. But then he comes out, in a, he, a car drives out, and the car gets all... Uh, Don Bluth also produced this film. He was one of the producers. As you can see later on, there's this whole animated sequence, which is just... If you grew up with Don Bluth, like I did with movies like uh, Secret of Nim, uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, um, I know there's a couple of other really big Don Bluth films, and I can't think of it. For whatever reason off the top of my head but if you grew up with Don Bluth as a kid to see this in Xanadu and him being a producer you just say to yourself what the hell were you thinking I mean it didn't hurt Don Bluth because all of the like all dogs go to heaven secret and Nim, those were all made well uh, oh American Tale Five Will Goes West things like that uh, those were all made way after Xanadu so it didn't really hurt him at all as a matter of fact he, he ended up kind of branching off of that I guess a bit uh, but th he tries on this he comes out and basically where I was going is all of the animated scenes uh, in the film like the shiny the actors are like real shiny and they're glowing and they're dancing that's all D Don Bluth animation because back then that's how they did a lot of special effects they used animation well anyway uh, he comes out in this old it looks like a Packard, like a 30s Packard, uh, maybe an early 40s Packard, and it, of course, it's glowing, and he gets out, and he's wearing this white cowboy outfit in tassels with a white cowboy hat, and both Michael Beck, Sonny, and uh, Kira, Olivia Newton-John, the muse, her character, they both look at him, and they're like, yeah, that's the one, <laughs> and it's just, it, 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 that's, and he doesn't end up wearing that at the premiere anyway, but just the fact that it's in the movie, in, it's in that scene where he tries on probably 10 different outfits, and that's the one where, like, they're like, yeah, man, that's the one. It's like, come on, really? <laughs> really? Uh, but, you know, and then there's other scenes in the movie where... Michael Beck's character and Gene Kelly they're actually in Xanadu or the warehouse before it becomes Xanadu and Gene Kelly he's he's looking off to the side he goes yeah big band in the corner there all decked out wearing like uh, slick suits uh, uh, tuxedos looking sharp and then Michael Beck he looks over in the other corner and he says yeah over there I can see uh, an 80s and of course this is 1980 so when they were filming this it was probably late 79 early 80 so you keep you've heard in the you hear in the film and and also in can't stop the music this is the 80s you know it's no it's just the beginning and in both films uh they basically in one way or another they basically say you're going to see things and you've never seen and heard before because this is a new era this is the 80s and were they ever right Things from glam rock to hair metal to terrible 80s films. If it wasn't for John Hughes, I think the 80s might have completely fucking sucked. Uh, but I'm getting off topic here. I'm getting off topic. So Michael Beck, he says, oh, over in that corner, I can see uh, an 80s rock band over there uh, with synthesizers and, you know, uh, outfits. And, and, of course, they're all in pink and it's blacklight. Uh, or not black light. It was actually more, um, what's the word? Neon. Yeah, there you go. Neon. And they're going back and forth and back and forth between the 40s style band that Gene Kelly is envisioning and the 80s style that Michael Beck's character, Sonny, is envisioning. And I'll tell you something. That scene right there made me look at the 40s and say, that's better. That's better. That looks better. It sounds better. At least they're all dressed nice. In the 80s shot, they look like morons. They just look 
stupid is all I can really say. Stupid. So, I don't know. It, it just made the scene... Every scene is kind of silly, but that one is, is one of the more silly ones. And poor Gene Kelly. I think Scott said in um, his last episode that the only reason Gene Kelly even considered doing the film and then going on to do it was because he lived in the area. <laughs> he lived in the area. So, hey, I don't know. I, I guess if you ask, you know, you might get somebody like Gene Kelly. I don't know. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, Joel Silver produced it. And, of course, if you don't know who Joel Silver is, he's the he's a huge major uh, producer for, for the Lethal Weapon films. It's probably his biggest franchise. Uh, he he couldn't save this, you know. Uh, let me see. What are my notes? I can't think of anything else interesting to say. You know what? That's it. I'm done with uh, Xanadu. I'm done. I am done. I apologize for that. Oh, it's rated PG. It, very sexually suggestive in a lot of scenes. Scott was saying that uh, can't stop the music where they held back the gay. Xanadu kind of picked it up. I didn't think that too much. Uh, I, I, it did a little bit, but not as much as how he made it sound. Um, I don't know. But, uh, well, I, I don't know. I don't, ugh. <laughs> so yeah, Scott, you you, you hit me. You kind of kind of punched me in the arm a little bit with that one. Uh, didn't really hurt that much. Didn't really hurt that much, but it was boring, and it was very glowy. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna take my first break. I'm gonna take my first break, and when I come back. I will talk a little bit about Can't Stop the Music. All right, I'll be right back. Even if it's just a local bomb, once the bomb, the nuclear bomb is used, mankind can count the days. some chicken wings on the way? Now you're speaking my language, Buzz. Now you're speaking my language. You got a friend in me. Doo -doo -doo. You got a friend in me. And we're back. Alright. Uh, okay. If uh, what you didn't um, notice from the break that we just came from, uh, there, what I played there was a little tidbit from an awesome mixtape called Video Armageddon. If you do not have it, I highly recommend getting it. If you are a splatterpunk, if you like any kind of Asian cult horror cinema, uh, actually anything like uh, Outside the Cinema, uh, which is another great podcast that you should all be listening to. If you like any of the stuff that they review, uh, and they might not even actually have this uh, Video Armageddon. If they don't, I'd be more than happy to send it to you guys. So, that clip 
that is from Video Armageddon. So, uh, okay. Now, last week, and I and sorry, Scott, I have to bring this up because you can't just say stuff without facts. I know you say I'm the fact guy, and when you say it, you make it sound like I'm the fat guy. I don't. You gotta really enunciate that C in there. At least I think you. You know, you're calling me fat, but <laughs> uh, anyway. You can't just say things like Pirates of the Caribbean 4 on, you know, or Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides uh, is a bomb without doing any homework first. So uh, I'm here to let you know that, yes, it's made $232 million, uh, in the United States, but <laughs> it's made nearly $1 billion worldwide. Right now it's at $988 million. So it's going to crack that one billion dollar mark uh it's pulling in uh let me see i have it in front of me here uh it's pulling in about six hundred and thirty thousand dollars for this friday so you figure for the weekend it's probably going to be about two million so it's probably going to break the one billion mark in the next i don't know three weeks four weeks and that that's if it's not done with its foreign release yet it could actually be opening up in a few more countries. Realistically, it it's going to break the one billion, which I think only six films. This will be the seventh film to ever do that. And Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, two was the last one of the franchise to crack a billion. But let's put it this way. Movies that make a billion dollars are movies like The Dark Knight, Avatar, ugh. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, the uh, the Return of the King made over a billion. Um, a couple of the Harry Potter films, and I think most of them got close to a billion. So yeah, expect another Pirates film, because as long as it's making a fucking billion dollars, and I don't care if some of it's coming from 3D, we may, but nobody else does. They're gonna keep making them. All right. Even if they if they spent 250 and it made 500 million worldwide, they're still going to make another pirate film. As long as Johnny Depp isn't tired of it, they'll make another one. And you know what? If they throw 30 million bucks at him, 20 million dollars, that's a drop. That's it's a it's that's nothing. It's a drop in a bucket, a mere bag of shells. So, uh, premiering this weekend, or I should say, uh. Wednesday was uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon. Now, as far as numbers go for that, I won't get too deep into it. I know that it's not doing as well as the last film, even though I've heard that this one is better than the last film. Problem is, it's two hours and 40 minutes. Michael Bay can't make a, a short film. He just can't. So that does take away from the box office a bit. And the fact that it's in 3D doesn't help either. I think the last Transformers film, the second one, opening day made 60 million. I think this one made 37 or 40, somewhere in that range. It's still going to make a fuckload of money. It's still going to crack the $300 million mark here. And realistically, that might get close to a billion dollars too. So don't expect that, that franchise to be done either. Uh, but that's all I'm going to talk about as far as the top 10 goes, because it's not officially out yet, because I'm recording on a Saturday while I'm at work. So, with that, if you hear my computer tell me that I have uh, a help desk and whatnot, you will be put on hold while I answer that. It will be instant for you, but it won't be for me. So, <laughs> Okay, uh, let's talk about The Village People's Can't Stop the Music, which is what I used to open the show with. <sighs> a lot of problems with this movie. A lot of problems. This movie here basically was made with the hope that Disco would still be alive when it was released. And unfortunately for them, it wasn't. Or it was, I should say. Disco was completely dead. And, and to think that the village people, they, that, the Disco really came and went quick i mean you had places that were that were opening all over the place 
uh, just take a look at Saturday Night Fever. That is uh, a film which I want to write a, a chapter in our book uh, called, well, we don't have a title for it yet, but what it basically is going to entail is films that show the sign of the times, that show their age, a film that was pretty much made for an era or a time period of some sort that when you go back and you watch it, you completely say to yourself, what, it looks like it's in a, a, a time warp, okay? Uh, and, the, and, and a movie like Saturday Night Fever and a movie like Can't Stop the Music completely fit the mold for that, and that's just two movies in the disco era. There is a ton of movies that can make this chapter great. So, but to get back to Can't Stop the Music, uh, the movie opens up with pretty much 70s porno music. That's just how it sounds. So, and there's a lot of roller skating going on in Xanadu. And the movie opens up with Steve Gutenberg in a, a music store. And he immediately charges out of there because his boss basically tells him, after all these loonies are, are, are sold their products, they have to do inventory. And Steve Gutenberg is basically begging his boss, not tonight, any night but tonight, give me Christmas, give me... Give me any every Sunday for six months. I don't care, but not tonight because he has a DJing job that evening. Well, his boss says, listen, you don't do inventory. You don't have a job. So Steve Gutenberg starts throwing records. Well, uh, I'm going to be a big star. You'll see this and this and that. And uh, I quit. Something along those lines. So he goes out immediately outside and is on roller skates. He transitions from being in the store selling records to being outside roller skating around all of New York City. And it's utterly ridiculous. He's just going around the entire city in roller skates. And he meets up with uh, uh, this woman uh, who is, um, you know, I can't remember her name, but she was in Superman. She played uh, Miss Tess, Tess Mocker. Is that what it was? Here I have it. Yeah, Eve Tessmacher. And I just always remembered as a kid, Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor going, Tessmacher! You know, so. And what I always, uh, uh, and, and I'm getting corny here, but, but my, my mother, she grew up in Hackensack. And whenever, Hackensack, New Jersey, which is ironically where I work. I work in the, the city of Hackensack, New Jersey. Um, it's interesting because in that scene where he's ready to send a missile to Hackensack, New Jersey, Eve Tessmacher, she says, oh, my mother lives there. And he's like, oh, okay, too bad. <laughs> and then she goes and she kisses Superman and takes the kryptonite off of his neck. Well, anyway, she's in the movie. And, well, it's, it's bad. Her, her acting in this film is really bad. There's a scene in the film where Steve Gutenberg does his first DJing job uh, that evening, and she's so impressed because they're roommates, they're living together. She's so impressed, and she's a supermodel, so she's been around in the business, so she knows a bunch of people. Uh, she says, I've, I've uh, been with uh, famous people all through my career, and this and this and that. Mama knows people. And Steve Gutenberg's like, yay! <laughs> And the, what I'm thinking in that scene is, bitch, what the fuck? How come you haven't said this sooner? You're a supermodel. Yes, you know people. Why haven't you helped me out? We're friends and roommates. It's like, what the fuck took you so long? So, <laughs> uh, and throughout the film, throughout the movie, the village people, they pop up in different scenarios. Like in the first scene, you see... Uh, What's his name? Filippo? Felipe? The Indian? He's just hanging out in her apartment. And he says, oh, uh, I think he said his TV broke. And he just wanted to hang out in her. And she's like, oh, that's okay. Breaking and entering. It's fine. <laughs> You're wearing a, you know, an, an Indian outfit. We're in New York. No one, will, no one cares. It's the friendliest city. Um, you know, the, looking at this film makes me long for the days of old New York. To everybody that doesn't live in the greater 
New York area, the, the tri-state area, so to say, which is where Scott and I are from. We're from northern New Jersey. For a lot of our lives, we spent, at least myself, I spent more time in New York City and Hoboken than I did in my own home. Uh, we were always there, all of us. It's just it's just the way it was. Well, I, I'm, and I hate to even make it sound like this because I'm not that old. I, only, I had a birthday just uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm old enough to know old New York, okay? Uh, when I was going to New York when I was a kid, it was old New York. And when I was going there, I'd probably say when I was around 18, which is 17 years ago now, but pretty much before Giuliani came in, it was old New York. You had hookers walking up and down the street. You had porno shops just about on every corner. You, you essentially don't have the tourism, the tourist attraction that New York has, or at least Times Square for the most part, has become. It was grimy. It was, it was greasy. It was dirty. Crime was through the roof. And when you watch the movie, like, say, Street Smart with Christopher Reeve, or you watched uh, The King of Comedy or you watched Taxi Driver, I, I kind of miss old New York like that. I, I, I do. And this film kind of showed a little bit of old New York. And that is the only thing, the only enjoyment I got out of watching this film. This one was a good sucker punch to the gut from Scott. This one, this one was bad. I, I didn't enjoy this one whatsoever. There was really nothing. I mean, other than seeing... Uh, uh, the, you know what? Hold on. I, I gotta find out her name because if I don't, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go fucking crazy, and you're gonna go crazy because I'm gonna say, oh, I wish I remembered her name. So I'm gonna look it up right now. We'll uh, we'll do this together. Yes, I'm typing with one hand. Sorry. And I'm not gonna tell you that I've gotten good at that for any reason. Uh, her name is Valerie Perrine. That's her name. Well, anyway, she, uh, you get to see her boobs in the movie. Uh, that is the only, that is, I, and again, I've never seen this movie. I never saw Xanadu. I never saw this one. I just never did. So it's the only reason why I accepted Scott's challenge for it. But you do get to see her boobs later in the film when they're all at the YMCA because they, the village people, they do a rendition of the YMCA that is so gay it would make gay people uncomfortable the sh the the male shower scene alone that Scott was mentioning in the last episode the full frontal shower scene which is very brief but they kind of flash it throughout the film like at the end of the film or during the credits they do it real quick and then during the YMCA scene it gets flashed two three times and believe me if you have a pause button, you're looking at large, <laughs> well-endowed gay men frolicking in a shower. And that's, uh, th that'll make you uncomfortable. <laughs> it made me uncomfortable. Um, and I'm very, um, I'm very comfortable in my sexuality. I'm, I have a very open mind uh, about things like that. I'm, I mean... Don't get me wrong, I'm completely straight, and the fact that I'm even saying that uh, on a podcast, you know what, I'm, nah, I'll leave it in. I was, I was going to say I was going to cut it out, but uh, I'll leave it in, because it's funny. Uh, no, it, it, it will make, it will make a straight man blush, let's put it that way. Uh, so, you do get to see your breasts, but you also get to see large man cock. So, you, 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 you take and you give... You know, so you get a little, they take a little. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, what else is there to real? I mean, Bruce Jenner is in the movie. And during that YMCA scene, you could see a lot of his Olympic buddies in there as well. Like the guy on the, um, oh, uh, I don't know what the fuck are those things called where you stick your arms in it and they stick their arms straight out left to right and it's just the 
suspension rings, I guess. I think that's what they're called, actually. Well, anyway, you, there's a guy doing that. There's a guy doing backflips. And there's lots of lots of dudes with no shirt on or just completely uh, cut off shirt and just guys rolling around on the ground, uh, you know, frolicking. It's very gay. <laughs> uh, well, one thing that, you know what? It's rated PG as well. Um, and it's something that Scott didn't point out in last week's episode, that both movies are rated PG, but both are sexually suggestive in a way that they would never be a PG in today's country. You know, what, what or I should say today's America. Um, whereas, as far as sexuality goes, the United States, we've always been behind as compared to, say, Europe, where on... I wouldn't I see I don't exactly know about midday television but I would know primetime television commercials were are are sexually suggestive they would have nudity in them same thing with the old Benny Hill show I specifically remember watching the old Benny Hill show late at night that had nudity in it as compared to when they would air the Benny Hill show say midday or afternoon where it wouldn't have any nudity in it they would just cut that out they would just piece that together without the nudity and then throw it on during the middle of the day. Uh, but as far as this country uh, being sexually open-minded, looking back at a film like this and after watching a film like this, remembering what it used to be like, we are completely backwards now. Ever since the... And I don't want to say the Janet Jackson... Uh, the Justin Timberlake flash thing but ever it seems ever since then we've kind of completely gone downhill as far as that goes um, but if you look back at films like this uh, there was another film called The Invisible Kid which had uh, what's his face from Uncle Buck the guy that played Bug uh, he was in that he came up with this serum and there's this entire scene in the movie where he's invisible and hanging out in a girl's high school or gym locker room. And you see full frontal uh, on, on the, on, I mean, of course, they had a lot of hair down there, but that was even a sign of the time. It wasn't even like today. It was just that's the way it was. Um, but it was com- full, and that was a PG as well. You look back at a film like this, where it's so se- sexually suggestive, so sexually suge- uh, suggestive being gay, and full frontal in male shower scenes how is this movie a pg seriously how is this a pg this would never get a pg now not only would it not get a pg uh it would go straight to r straight to r uh nowadays as far as what you can get away with for a pg and a pg-13 these days you still can't swear a lot but Violence is completely, completely okay in today's America, which I'm fine with. Don't get me wrong. I'm fine with anything. Uh, But looking back then, you got away with a hell of a lot more nudity uh, and language then than you do now. If you even so much as have a, uh, a bare naked boob shot in a movie today... If you have zero swearing, you will go straight to a PG-13. If you have one major swear word, think of uh, George Carlin's uh, seven words you can't say. Just pick any one of them. One of those and a bare breast shot, you are immediately in R. And that is kind of sad if you really think about it. Um, Not that I'm saying that we should be getting away with less violence and more nudity and swearing, but there, there needs to be... And I know I'm kind of ranting about this a bit. There kind of needs to be this um, middle ground where the rules kind of get bent a little bit for things like violence nowadays, whereas with nudity, you don't kind of get that. If you, I feel bad for any, any pre-adolescent you know, going into their teens uh, today in this day and age. You know what? No, I don't. Uh, I don't. You guys, you fuckers have the internet. You can watch porn anywhere. You, you can. When I was a kid, I had to 
uh, hold down channel like we had these old cable boxes which look kind of look like a piano uh, you had to hold down and it had this little dial that had that you could push up and down to go to three it was one row of channels and the top row you had to push this dial all the way up and then all the top rows were say two through I don't know 13 then you put it in the middle dial and that and then that was say 14 through 28 and then so on and so forth uh, the Playboy channel was always channel 96 now even though it had 28 buttons or 14 buttons I should say different channel it stood for different channels so you would have to hold down and they were the way it worked was at least this is what I figured out you would have to hold down channel 14 and channel 96 you would hold them both down at the same time and you would put the dialer like say in the middle or at the bottom and what you would end up getting was a black and white picture for Playboy. But if you did that, you would you wouldn't get sound, but who the fuck gave a shit about sound back then? I I didn't need sound. I didn't who the fuck needed sound? So you would hold down both of those buttons and then you would uh, essentially be able to watch the Playboy channel in black and white. And that was tame compared to what you can see on the internet these days. Uh, the quality of porn has gone through the roof. So, you know what? I don't feel sorry for you. Uh, as far as a nostalgic aspect of things, I kind of do a, a teeny tiny little bit because me growing up as a kid, I had to do things like that. I had to catch uh, late night Cinemax or Skinemax, as, as one would say. Um, Vanguard Cinema would show things like that. Uh, all kinds of, of stuff. After Dark. And kids today they don't have that they don't have that attempting to sneak around type deal anymore you basically you type in you know porno movie and then you'll get 50 sites and you may end up with a virus so don't call me but you'll end up with 50 sites where you can watch free clips and a lot of times full length clips in very good quality mind you so and I know I, I just strayed off quite a bit, but to be honest, I, I'd rather talk about my my childhood watching uh, Playboy in black and white than Can't Stop the Music. Um, uh, yes, it's bad. Yes, it's uh, very gay. And not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, um, I don't know. It, it's, just, it's just bad. And I'm running a little long here. But uh, I'm going to go to break. And when I come back, what I want to talk about very quickly is all you motherfuckers not rating us on iTunes and things like that. And what I want to do is play a song, which I almost never do, ever. Uh, but this song is so good, and these two movies musically are so bad. I'm going to play a song by the Stone Foxes from the old Slim Harpo days called I'm a King Bee. And you're going to listen to it, and you're going to fucking love it. And when we come back, I'm going to scold you a bit. All right? So I'll be right back.
good fucking song if you're not a fan of the stone foxes you are now and if you're not then i don't want to know you because they fucking rule if you like any kind of rock bluesy rock uh type bands and you don't know about them they this this band is awesome they're out of the san francisco area uh well you know what before i i scold all of our loyal listeners that don't like to write uh, reviews on itunes uh i gotta give scott his movie challenge so uh, thank you, Scott, for Xanadu and Can't Stop the Music. These are my notes. I'm ripping them up so that I never have to think of these two movies ever again. Uh, you mentioned in the last episode making fun of parody films is like making fun of kids' films. So that got me thinking. What film could I challenge to you that would uh, hurt you quite a bit? Well, that movie, my friend, is supposed to be a kid's film, but I think what it really is is a bag of dicks smacking you in the face repeatedly for close to 90 minutes. I think the movie is actually a little less than that. And that's Super Baby's Baby Geniuses 2. Now, I just recently saw this film, and holy fucking shit, I've always heard about how bad it is it is atrocious. I think it's the number two worst film on IMDb. I think uh, the number two film is Super Babies, and the number one film, which would just it would just kind of be cliche to uh, to to just challenge Scott to that. Uh, actually, you know what? Let me let me get that. I have it right here. No, I don't. <laughs> I should be more prepared. Uh, okay. Um, here you go. The worst film rated on IMDb is a film called Dream Well with a 1.4 rating. Never heard of it. So, I don't even know if we could get our hands on a copy of this. This, no, this, this is just... Okay, this is the worst film rated on here, but you can tell that this this movie was was made. And actually, on the cover, on the box, it says two thumbs up, and I'm sure there's a whole gimmick behind that. I don't know, but regardless, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses two. So enjoy that one, Scott, and you let me know what you think of that. Uh, but before uh, we do, I want to just kind of scold our listeners a little bit um you guys aren't reviewing us on itunes you're kind of not reviewing us anywhere now i look at the bandwidth every single month and we're getting quite a bit of it we're getting a lot of bandwidth actually i know people are listening just based on the bandwidth but nobody is reviewing us on on places like itunes and uh, Podfeed and uh, Podcast Pup and all these new places that I just added us to and it just it's kind of disappointing. Uh, the only way we're going to be able to keep doing the show and getting people to listen, getting more people to listen, is to review it on iTunes and, and in other places like it. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Outside the Cinema and I listen to those guys as much as I can. Uh, I've been listening to them for a while. Scott actually turned them on to me about two years ago when we first really started thinking about doing podcasts. And those guys really know how to do a podcast. Uh, they, they, it actually feels like a real radio show, which is very, very cool because terrestrial radio sucks. And most radio shows out there suck as well. They play a lot of commercials and th their content is never really as good as it should be. But um, they, one of their biggest, 
one of the biggest reasons why they're as popular as they are is because they're on places like Mevio and uh, Palaver and iTunes, and they get lots and lots of reviews on iTunes. And the more you review, the more people are likely to listen to the show, and it's more likely that iTunes is going to feature the show because if you have zero reviews or one review or, or ten or just a small amount of reviews, people have to actually purposely search for you. And if they're already searching for you, they're already a fan of the show. And not that I'm not saying that's not what we want. That's obviously what we want. We want the listeners who keep listening to us to stay listening to us. But we really need your help out there to basically get the word out on Movie Sucktastic. We're doing our best to just keep putting it in different places and trying to uh, go to things like the Exotica Expo, which we will be doing again this November. But And I, I would like to go to some film conventions and, and get some uh, some actor interview, you know, things like that, fun stuff. But the only way we can really do things like that is, again, getting the show reviewed on iTunes. I know I'm going on and on and on and on and on. Um, that's, that's really it. So review us on iTunes, review us elsewhere like Podcast Pub, Podfeed, um, Podcast Pickle. Uh, I'm hoping that we'll end up on Mevio real soon uh, and uh, Palaver, of course. Um, and email us, reviews, anything that – feedback. It's fun. We'll read it on the show. Why not? Um, but – uh, that email address is themovieguys at moviesucktastic.com. We uh, go to our Facebook page, go to our lunch.com page for reviews, blogspot.boothreviews.com uh, is uh, the Movie Sucktastic blog, uh, Twitter. We're all over the place, but it doesn't show without the reviews. So I'm going to end the show with a, a quick scene from... Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2 for Scott. And then I will see you guys next time. Take it easy. And this is what we like to call the comm center. It's our global communication system, which we can talk to anyone in the world at any time. Kylie, I see you've met Zach. What's that? Five o'clock time to check in. Watch this. Hey, whoops, it's me. Mr. K. Oh, finally. Sorry to be so long oh getting back. Is, is that I'm a little busy? Here. Yeah. Listen, I went to the graduation. Remember the kids we got from Thailand? Yeah. My goodness. If you had seen their faces, they're at Yale. They asked for you. They love you. So we'll talk again soon. You'll call me this time soon, please. I promise. Thank you. No problem. Whoops. Hey guys, what's up? Hey guys, I got him. Okay. You can count on us. We checked out that situation for you. Yes, everything you said was right, but to let you know, the kids are 110% safe. Great, okay? guys. And the scratches on the tricycle are, are minor. We can fix those. Oh, 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 oh. we got to tell them about the superhero theme song we've been writing for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really good. good. It's really good. Mr. K to the rescue. Cool. Mr. K to the rescue. That was great. Hey, Mr. K, that's all we have right now. Next time you call, it'll be done. I promise you. I promise right. you. But for, for now, you're the greatest. That's right. We have the president on okay. Bye. Oh, my gosh. Can you hold for a moment, Mr. President? What is it? It's time. My Uncle Stan's going to be freaking out. Don't worry. I'm sure he's handling it just fine. Anyone ever tell you you look like Sidney Porch Chair? That's Portier. You're stupid ass.